0: to do let's get into the show this episode is brought to you by visit williamsburg in williamsburg virginia there's never too much of a good thing whether you're a foodie a golfer a history buff a shopaholic an outdoor enthusiast or a thrill seeker you'll find what you came for here and more so ask yourself what is it you want Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome, everybody, to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, we talk about four different types of freedom, time, financial, location, health, freedom. And in that light, I'm always scouring the globe looking for entrepreneurs, changing the face, helping others. So today we have um, Alex Fink, and uh, he dubs himself as trying to fix the internet, period, by breaking it first. And what's really interesting is I'm always fascinated by founders, CEOs, and tech entrepreneurship. These are things that are creative, cutting-edge, disrupting traditional industries. And so with that, happy to welcome Alex on the show. Welcome. Thank you
1: so much for having me.
0: Yeah, I know you are the founder and CEO of OtherWeb. It's a new platform that allows readers to read news and commentary podcast without paywalls clickbait you know all that tell us more about your story
1: your journey and how you started OtherWeb. so i've been in tech for a pretty long time and for the previous 15 years i was building perception systems cameras computer vision that sort of thing and at some point it has dawned on me that the world does not need more cameras in fact it seems like we're generating enormous amounts of information but what most of us are consuming at the end of each day tends to be junk <laughs> and so I decided to switch sides and instead of generating information to figure out how do we filter the junk out of the information ecosystem to at least increase the chances that people can consume something useful to them at the end of each day. And this started first as a set of filters using AI to basically detect various types of junk or various bad elements that content can have like clickbait headlines or like highly subjective claims or like adjectives that are too loud for the content, or in general words that kind of over-represent what happened, like so-and-so politician destroys so-and-so politician, right? So we learned how to detect these things and filter them out. And then we created a platform that aggregates content from all over the web, filters out the things that are obviously junk, and gives the user as much control as possible to customize what's left.
0: Interesting. And this platform is, I assume it sounds like it's a centralized platform or is it more decentralized or tell us more?
1: It is centralized and runs on AWS. So this is not a part of Web3. Um, There is a website, otherweb.com. There are apps. It's otherweb on iOS and on Android, and there's a newsletter as well. So regardless of how you like to consume content, you can access content using these methods. And over time, we've aggregated a lot more than just news. So we started from news because that's discipline in which it's the easiest to tell what's good and what's bad. Everybody goes to the same journalism schools and learns the same rules, right? And so we might argue about right versus left, but everyone knows which way is up. Once you get into other types of content like commentary or podcasts, for example, now it's not quite clear what does good mean. And so we've added those over time, but still, I would say our filtering is not as strict with regards to these things because we don't trust our own judgment. And we've also added uh, research studies, so including medical studies, which might interest you. We've added Wikipedia, we've added online courses, books, everything into the same spot with the idea that if you encounter an interesting concept in the news, you might want to just right click on it and look at the latest research studies on this topic we already know what you're reading. We have the full context. So we can give you a better search experience than if you just opened the new browser window and typed it into the address bar.
0: Mm. So it's interesting. It sounds like, uh, basically it sounds kind of like Twitter because you know, basically Musk, what he's doing with Twitter is, um, but um, what we're talking about is basically this idea of um, speech and censorship. T- tell us more about how you think uh, Silicon Valley derange the world
1: well there is a few ways but the obvious one is the one that is known as the social dilemma because there was a movie about it right where essentially the ruling paradigm in silicon valley for a pretty long time has been to just maximize the amount of attention they can get out of you because then that same attention can be directed at viewing or clicking on ads and that's how everybody makes money right and that creates several problems the problem that it creates for you is that you're looking at something two hours later you don't know where the time went or why you're still here but you're still looking at something and during those two hours you consumed an enormous amount of junk that is actually (laughs) agitating and angering and evoking all sorts of strong emotions because strong emotions are what made you click on more and more stuff over time right the problem it creates for the rest of the world is that if content is monetized by clicks and views. It's advertising, advertising pays per click or per view. There is no paper quality or paper truth, right? It's only two things. Then all the content creators are incentivized to maximize clicks and views. And so over time, the entire population of content just drifts towards clickbait. And even though you have great journalists working for some great outlets, they're still facing the same pressure that everybody else is to spend as little resources possible to generate as many clicks and views as possible. And if they don't do that, then somebody overrides their judgment anyway. And I've I've heard a lot of complaints from journalists that they would write a great article with a great headline, and then the editor would change the headline to be clickbait. So I would say that there's still obviously a difference between CNN and TMZ, right? One of those is obviously better than the other, but CNN today is not the CNN of the 90s. If you look at the kind of content they're putting out there, it would never pass editorial reviews 20 or 30 years ago. I've had one of the worst examples. It involves exactly CNN. It's an article that I saw on Google News. It was by CNN. And the title was Stop What You're Doing and Watch This Elephant Play With Bubbles. And this is normal right now because everybody's trying to get more clicks. And that works. Yeah.
0: It's interesting because... um Basically, you know, like uh, the reason why, like, I focus on LinkedIn and you know podcasting because that's kind of like uncharted. But like, you know, if, if you're on YouTube and like these other Instagram, you know, it's kind of biased if you're not, um, you know, like because based on looks and you know they kind of talk about like in- triggering information, which is kind of you know it's kind of a form of discrimination. Um, which is uh, so companies seem to be bad at regulating speech. Should it be uh? Should it be government? Should it be AI? Should it be Web three? What are your thoughts?
1: So I think actually out of those, AI is probably the most promising one, just because AI can be open sourced, right? And so if an editor, whether we're talking about the trust and safety team at Twitter or an editor at the New York Times, if that person decides that something doesn't belong on the platform. They can claim they had a good reason for it. They can cite some sort of a rule from the terms and conditions. You don't know why they actually made the decision, right? Most of the time, you don't even know they made the decision until somebody leaks the Twitter files five years later. If open source AI does it, you can know exactly what it's going to filter out. You know exactly what the rules are. They are consistent. And it's kind of hard to hide a bias in there. So this is why we went towards AI the other reason is obviously AI is infinitely scalable, whereas humans are not. So it's cheaper to run an AI system to do that sort of thing. But we also made all our models and data sets source available so everybody can look at them and see if we're hiding a bias. They don't have to guess whether we're truly just trying to clean the junk out, or maybe we are secretly a right-wing think tank that is trying to skew all information to the right or a left-wing think tank that is trying to skew all information to the left they can just go and look at our data sets and see how we annotated stuff uh, before we train the models on it so I think that's the most promising approach governments I I was born in the Soviet Union so I'm definitely not a fan of government having an opinion on what is allowed in the public marketplace of ideas Mm -hmm. Uh, even if it starts well it doesn't end well typically companies it's an interesting question in that If a small company does it, I think it's fine, right? Because, okay, let's say a company with 10% market share decides we don't like dogs. Nobody's allowed to discuss dogs on this platform, cats only, right? Okay, so you can discuss dogs on the other 90% of the market, right? But if a company with 95% market share decides no dogs allowed, there's basically no dog discussion anywhere, right? They've eliminated the idea from the public conscience, at least the allowed sort of formal public conscience that idea might still exist somewhere and kind of bubble under the surface and then explode and if it's a bad idea it might explode in a really bad way i think that when it comes to companies making those decisions in a way that isn't fully transparent it might be fine if that's a small company it becomes really problematic if it's a big company and even more problematic If you find out that that big company was taking orders from the government, which is what we've just found out about Twitter. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see how Twitter evolves. You know, it's fascinated by this whole, you know, tech and information and democracy. And the other thing is, uh, what are your thoughts? Because basically you mentioned AI, right? But then I the read recently that Google is now changing its algorithm. So anything that's AI generated is going to consider it as spam to kind of, you know, maintain its dominance. What are your thoughts on that?
1: So you have to consider that AI is basically a set of tools, right? We used to achieve those or try to achieve these same objectives by writing software that followed a bunch of rules. And then we came up with a better way to do it by treating the software as a small child that you can teach to do stuff, right? It's not inherently good or bad, and it can be applied to a variety of different use cases. So you're talking about the use case of teaching AI to generate content. That's what ChatGPT does among other things. It's not what we do. We just teach AI to be essentially a newspaper editor of looking at a piece of content that has already been written mm-hmm. and deciding whether or not it violated a bunch of rules of editorial review, right? And you can continue to think about AI as a set of techniques or tools that can be applied to any problem. Some of those problems might be amazing, and maybe we can apply AI to medical diagnosis, and it will be awesome because it will be wrong less frequently than doctors are right but maybe we can apply it to how to generate diseases that are worse than the black plague right and that will be a bad way to use ai so it's like a kitchen knife you can make dinner with it or kill somebody it's up to us yeah
0: yeah this can be yeah that's again we're we're on the cutting edge and you know we're starting to see some of the issues you know with um ai and these new platforms one thing is uh talking about is uh now, we know we've talked some about some of the issues. Uh, you talk about this uh, this race to the bottom and um, elaborate on that and how we can consume better information.
1: Well so the race to the bottom is tied to that social dilemma that we were discussing, right where essentially everybody is competing for your attention. the way they compete for your attention is by trying to make your brain generate more dopamine because you saw something that angered you or something where the reward was variable, essentially to get you hooked on stuff. And then if one website does this way better than others, like TikTok is doing right now, inevitably everybody else is trying to outdo TikTok and to create even more unhealthy ways to consume content. And you see this with specific features too. I don't know if you've noticed, but almost every website that has a video embedded in the text right now, that video is autoplaying. It didn't used to be the case, right? But the moment the first one of them started auto playing the video, they got better engagement on the page. Everybody else had to compete and also add that feature. And now we all suffer because I'm sure nobody likes the auto playing videos and all the pages, right? And so you're seeing this. This is exactly what it means to have an arm race, arms race or a race to the bottom, right, where everybody does things that are obviously bad, but they cannot not do those things or they will get out competed. We have to break it somehow. There's obviously a small backlash among at least some segment of the population, which is why podcasting is doing so well, right? So as the the length of videos on TikTok is getting shorter, the length of podcasts, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's now up to seven and a half hours in some instances, right? But it's not the majority of the population. The majority of the population, I think, needs us to change the incentives for the entire industry. Otherwise, we will continue on this path. We have to create an incentive for people creating content and for the matchmakers that are essentially matching content consumers to content producers to make more money from higher quality content and to make less money from lower quality content. And again, this brings me back to the idea of the number one thing we have to do is use something infinitely scalable like AI to evaluate content quality on its merits and not based on who shared what or who clicked on what
0: yeah it's interesting because uh right now it's kind of just you know what you said it's um you know it's it's share like comment um and then basically you know just put it out there make you know get you triggered and then but what you're talking about is like more personalized better filter putting better things into your brain um it's it's very very analogous to medicine where it's kind of like you got paid just to run a bunch of tests and procedures but now you have to like now you get paid for quality so um How do people contact you, follow you on your social media, visit your website and uh, learn more about other web?
1: So actually, I want to harp on that medical analogy that you uh, used for a bit before I go to contact info. I think probably the best analogy is to food because we care about what we put in our mouth. We should care about what we put in our brain, right? Mm. And if you imagine yourself walking down the street one day and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, there's this new bakery in town, they made a cake, do you want to try it? Chances are you're going to say yes and you're going to try the cake. If they do the same thing, but they bring you kale and say, there's a new health food in town, would you try the scale? Chances are you're going to say no. But in the long run, you want to consume more kale than cake, right? And so there's this obvious mismatch between what we engage with in the moment and what we actually want long-term. All these engagement maximizing algorithms do is give us cake all the time. And so we're all fat and unhappy and unhealthy by consuming this TikTok-like content, right? But we can't help it and they can't help but serve it because if everybody's serving cake and they start serving kale, they lose all all their users, right? And so that is a part of the race to the bottom. So I think we have to change the incentives, maybe tax all sweets, right? Or maybe give a credit for kale consumption or something like this. Otherwise, it's just going to be all cake all the time. To contact me email me at alex at otherweb.com i will read everything and will reply and again the website is otherweb.com the app is other web whether you're on the app store or on google play
0: and uh one one follow-up question because uh what's really interesting was uh, <laughs> with this generated so much is how does uh other web different from the brave browser i'm just curious about that
1: well so brave is primarily a browser that's one difference The other one is they decided to monetize using a crypto token called BAT, right? So I'm a big fan of Brendan. I I used Brave browser because the guy who made JavaScript and the guy who made Mozilla is obviously the guy I would trust to create a better browser for the third time. Um, But in general, there's not that much overlap between what they do and what we do. Uh They try to create a better browser through which you can consume the existing internet we try to create a walled garden where everything you encounter is good, right? And so it's almost, I don't want to say an alternative internet, but at least a corner of the internet where there are no cakes or (laughs) essentially a Whole Foods for information, right? Everything is of a certain minimal guaranteed level of quality.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Yeah. And so for all the listeners out there, be sure to Uh, Let's thank Alex for his time and his uh, valuable expertise. And uh, be sure to check him out. He's on LinkedIn, Facebook, and his um, website, OtherWeb. And thanks again so much for this fantastic
1: conversation. Thank you so much, Christopher. This episode
0: is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell.